On a hockey podcast, listeners know we are going to discuss the players and the coaches and even the general managers at length. But who else on the ice should fans not just be talking about, but really hearing from? On today's Locked On Predators, we are going to discuss the officials. What does it take to become an official and what does the game look like from their perspective? All that's coming up on today's Locked On Predators. Your Locked On Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Predators, and thank you for making us your first listen of the day. I am Ann Kimmel. I'm a writer at OnTheForeCheck.com, and I am usually joined by my partner in crime, Nick Morgan. Nick will be back with us next week. But today, I have a very special guest. I'm really excited for you to hear from him. Today, I am joined by Keith Grooms. Keith is a Nashvillian. He is an official who not only officiates games from level one all the way up through the pros, but he also recruits, trains, and mentors officials. Keith is going to share his insight with us today about the path to becoming an official and the very real challenges along the way. All right, I'm here with Keith Grooms. Keith, thank you for coming on and joining us at Lockdown Predators. I always like to start when I bring on a guest and talk about sort of your hockey origin story. So share with us a little bit about how you got involved in hockey and just a little bit of your backstory there. Yeah, so I, I started when I was young, uh, up in, all the way up in Alaska. Uh, I grew up there, spent 15 years in Alaska, moved all over. And uh, went to my first professional hockey game uh, up in Fairbanks. And it was a, a minor pro game. Went there with my dad. And this was back in the 80s. So there was a lot of fighting. And it was probably a little too physical for what my uh, my mom would have wanted me to be watching. But uh, told my dad after that game that I wanted to do that. So the next year, he signed me up. And uh, been having skates on my uh, feet every year since. Uh, so played growing up uh, through through high school. We moved down to Nashville in, in 98. That was my freshman year of high school and played here locally, played travel hockey. There was only one travel team at the time uh, per age group and only one association. So uh, there was a lot of us that were transplants from Chicago or Detroit. There was a big uh, car boom here in Nashville in the early 2000s and late 90s. So uh, we had a pretty good team, uh, but uh, played four years here and, and went on a couple uh, tryouts for juniors uh, up in Michigan and uh, up north and uh, realized around my senior year of high school anyway that uh, my, my playing years were limited. I was pretty realistic with uh, my playing ability. And uh, I think that's kind of like the goal for us as senior officials to start talking to young hockey players and getting them to look at what, uh, what the next few years holds for them. But uh, I, uh, I went to a couple of tryouts and uh, I had to fight my way through tryouts, literally. <laughs> uh, I, needed a, I needed to earn a spot on the team and I wasn't doing it with uh, scoring goals. So uh, after uh, a couple of uh, tussles, wound up uh, putting a damper on my uh, playing career as I, I got an eye injury. Uh, oh. And the doctor pretty much said that if uh, I got any more fights that I could get glaucoma and uh, have some serious 
health issues and sight issues with that. Um, I actually tore my iris and bruised my retina in a fight and all oh, kinds wow. of good stuff. So part of the game back then, a lot more so than it is now. And uh, I knew that I only had maybe a year or two left of playing anyway. So I'd been refereeing uh, already mm -hmm. at that time. Uh, my father got me into officiating. He uh, umpired uh, baseball all the way up to Division One and referee basketball. So I had been to many baseball games, basketball games, and seen him officiate and heard everything that the fans were yelling at him. Oh, yes. All that. And we would have, he would talk about situations all the time, whether it be in a car ride or uh, home or whatever. And I, I kind of had a thick skin from just seeing him uh, mm -hmm. referee and officiate and umpire. So uh, he got me into, I was, I was probably about 12 or 13 at the time. Now with USA Hockey, Depends on your region. You have to be 14 to get started mm -hmm. uh, officially with USA Hockey. But back then, uh, I was able to start right around that 12 to 13-year-old range. And so was doing that while playing. So uh, it kind of – I didn't have to just cut from playing right to refereeing. I was kind of working it in anyway. Uh, here in Nashville at the time, I actually was refereeing high school hockey as a high school player oh wow that's uh, brave yeah so it was a little interesting there like, i was here when g nash started the high school association the high school league started and played the first couple years and uh and wound up not playing i think my junior and senior year uh but i was still playing travel and uh was refereeing in those high school games and so caught a lot of flack for that just because my age i was fortunate oh, enough I'm that sure. i uh i was really trying to apply myself and uh you know, a lot of the parents didn't like it that I was so young working those mm -hmm. games. Uh, and so we had to fight through some of that. Uh, but my buddies really hated it because I knew all their little tricks and uh, <laughs> they were doing in the corner. So I, I usually would still call them for penalties and, and they wanted to get the hookup. And uh, I, I definitely didn't have the buddy system when I was refereeing. <laughs> but, uh, so, uh, so, yeah. so talk me through, uh, you mentioned you started officiating relatively young. So talk me through what is the process for becoming an official so it's it's a lot like signing up as a player you go onto usa hockey's website and underneath the registration tab you can register either as a player slash coach or there's an officials tab as well uh so it is a separate registration uh it's 45 dollars this year for a level one official they've kept that price uh fairly low to help encourage uh you know, either kids or first time adults uh, to explore that option. And so it's 45 bucks that goes to USA Hockey. Uh, once you register with USA Hockey, then you need to find a seminar to attend. Mm -hmm. And all level one and two seminars are back in person. Last two years, we've obviously done everything by Zoom. Oh, wow. Uh, so we, uh, we've now been able to go back to in-person classroom sessions, which is, I think, the best just because you get to talk a little bit better Q&A. It's not just staring at a screen. Yes, uh, for so, sure. So we went back to that this year. And then those seminars are eight to nine hour days. It's a full day. Uh, and you go through, you learn a lot of the basics. We can watch a lot of videos on positioning, uh, decision making, how to handle different aspects of the game, whether it be how to talk to players and coaches, um, how to conduct yourself. Uh, and, and just a lot of different videos on standard of penalties, like what is a penalty and what isn't. 
And so once you go through that, you take a open book exam. They've actually changed the, the test taking process as well over the last year. And now you only have to take uh, an open book exam. You used to have to take an open and a closed book. Uh, but really the goal for the seminar is to bring everybody up to speed and teach them the rules. Not necessarily they have to master them right away off the get go. So uh, they changed that process a little bit. So once you take your test, uh, if you're over 18, you have to do other things like safe sport, uh, which is right. a training just uh, that every col uh, actually every coach uh, and anybody that's 18 years or older in sports in the U.S. now has to um, take that. Uh, and then you also do a background check if you're over 18, since you are working around minors. So minors. It's kind of a, a double uh, extra thing that we have to do there. And then once that happens, they, they send you a, a rule book and exam or a crest and you're kind of off to the race. You have to find a, an assigner and get get games. And then uh, hopefully you're getting evaluated and have supervision and and getting to work with experienced officials and, and have a good start so that we can mm -hmm. keep that going for them for a long time, really. So. So what are the skills that people who are interested in officiating, what do you look for in people who want to get into that? What do they need to be able to do from the start? Uh, I'd say the biggest thing is skating. Uh, every yes. every uh, training session I go to or any kind of, uh, I just got off of a Zoom call last night for a, uh, it's a success path that uh, referees crease, which is a company that uh, schedules officials in the Northeast and they've been out here for the Southern Pro and USPHL juniors. Uh, they're kind of trying to expand their footprint and get a pathway of development to the highest levels. And their first thing that even they said last night is you have to be able to skate. Yes. So, so that's obviously it kind of sounds, well, of course you have to be able to skate. Well, there's a difference between being able to move on the ice and then also being able to skate and keep up with the level of hockey that you're officiating. So that True. has a big, a big thing to do with it. So there's a lot of really good hockey players. Um, that's why we obviously are, are looking for those, you know, U16, AA, AAA, and higher uh, skill set players because they probably have a, a strong skating background and can keep up with just about any level of hockey that they work. For our, our new adults, that's a big barrier for us. Uh, because we might have people that know the game very well. They can learn the rule book and they know every rule in the book, but maybe they just started skating four or five years ago. And so <laughs> they have a lot of, exactly. They have a lot yeah. of hurdles when it comes to their speed and efficiency. So yes, that's one attribute that we're always looking for. Um, the, the other more mental side of things is somebody mm -hmm. with a, a strong uh, one self-esteem uh, you have to have be an outgoing person. It's very hard to be an introvert and be an official just because of the power that you're put in uh, right. and how you have to conduct yourself. So somebody that has some confidence that obviously grows as you become more comfortable in the sport and in that position. Um, but there's a little saying, it's kind of a joke around on the officiating side is goalies and goons. Uh, <laughs> for some reason, uh, goalies and goons do very well once they put the stripes on. And uh, I was talking to a goalie buddy of mine that is, you know, officiates. And, you know, one reason is they're standing there watching the game, you know, from, yes. from that perspective. They they get to watch the game so they see it uh, maybe from a little bit different aspect. 
Uh, and then, you know, goons, they, you know, they, they like the physical side. They're usually outgoing. They're very strong-willed, uh, kind of an alpha mentality. And uh, I think anybody that officiates and does it well has a little bit of that alpha mm -hmm. uh, personality and maybe likes a little bit of attention without uh, being too arrogant or cocky. But, uh, yeah, for some reason, those those two uh, players do very well. And I, and I wasn't a goalie, but uh, I definitely <laughs> I definitely spent a lot of time in the penalty box. So. Coming up, Keith is going to share with us some of the really tough calls that officials have to make in games. But first, I want to let you know today's episode is brought to you by our great friends at Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is a product that I have started to use every day. And I started taking their product, AG1, because I was looking for a great combination to get all the vitamins and supplements and probiotics that I knew that I needed and it all comes in one product. It really eliminates the confusion and the hassle of finding everything you need because AG1 has all of the health benefits that you want and it comes in one drink. AG1 is a delicious powder. You just take one scoop of AG1, you mix it with a glass of water, and when you do that, you are absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, and it helps boost your energy, recovery, your focus, and it slows down the aging process not too shabby it does all of those things in one drink so ag1 is really simple to make again you take one scoop you mix it in a glass of water shake it up a little bit there's no mixing cutting blending all of that it's just a really easy eight ounce glass of water with ag1 and i'm telling you it tastes great ag1 tastes a little bit like uh, vanilla it has kind of a light tropical maybe aftertaste to it it's not one of those kind of gross green drinks that you know you should take but that you really don't want to choke down that's not going to be your experience with ag1 and here's the thing ag1 is lifestyle friendly whether you eat keto paleo vegan dairy free AG1 is going to work for you. It costs less than $3 a day, so you can invest in your health for the price of your Starbucks coffee run, and it's going to make a huge difference in your day. You are going to have more energy. You're going to have more focus, and you know what? At the end of the day, you are going to sleep better, and just being on AG1 for a few weeks, you're going to start to notice a difference. This is a great product. I would love for you guys to try it out, too, and you know what? To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, and they're going to send you five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit Athletic Greens slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So what are some of the most challenging calls that officials have to make? I think at any level, and I was thinking about this, because there's, I think the toughest calls to make 
are the big ones that have a heavy time penalty associated with them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a tripping, a hooking, and a slashing, those are all minor penalties. You know, it it does affect the game for sure, but it's a very minute part of the game that it affects, you know, two minutes. And obviously if a goal is scored, that's that's uh, has a bigger effect than if it's not. But, you know, a five-in-a-game penalty, uh, yes. two in and uh, a match penalty. Those are the ones that are, I would say, the hardest because officials that are not confident in themselves or don't want maybe backlash from parents, coaches, or mm-hmm. whoever, when you kick somebody out of a game, it's it's a serious situation. And as a good official, you're taking the rule book that is given to you and applying the rules. You're not making the rules up. You don't get to pick which rules you get to in- enforce and which ones you don't uh you have to be consistent across the board and when an official does not hold the standard that usa hockey puts out or whatever uh league that Mm -hmm. they're working puts out then it makes it more difficult on everybody else as well so if uh if you have a situation that warrants a a major penalty or a game misconduct or a match penalty those are those are difficult ones to go ahead and say, yep, that's yes. what it was. I am going to apply the rule here. I have the rule book behind me to back me up in my decision. And then, you know, anytime you have a game misconduct or a match penalty, there's paperwork involved. So then you have to go and fill out a game report that goes to USA Hockey. It goes to the supervisors. And, you know, that individual is suspended for at least one game, if not more. And if it's a match penalty, then they're going to be in front of a, they have to go in front of a hearing and, mm-hmm. and you have to a lot of times attend that, whether it be a phone call or, or zoom and, you know, explain what happened. And, you know, it's tough because you're sitting there looking at this, you know, kid that is potentially going to get suspended for three to, you know, however many games might be the rest of the year because of his actions. And, you know, you got to remember that it, you didn't, as a referee, you didn't make him make those decisions. Yes. You're just holding them accountable. So those are the tough ones. Um, you know, anything that has a, a big effect on the game are the toughest one, whether it be a, a penalty shot or waving oh, off yeah. waving off a goal that maybe went across the line, but for some other reason, maybe the goalie had it covered and it's you know got poked out, but it was already covered. And so you have to stand tall and, and make those decisions. So I, th- I would say those are some of the tougher ones uh, that we have to make as a, as a group. And uh, it's probably pretty tough for a new official to yes. stand right off the gate and be like, yep, that's that's what we're going with. So. Yeah. What is the evaluation process? So you you mentioned, you know, as you become an official, you have people that kind of evaluate it. What does that look like and how does that help officials gain confidence and, and kind of grow in their role? I think it's one of the most important aspects of officiating is is that mentorship and the evaluation and the supervision and unfortunately not every area of the country has the ability to or has a plan set in place to do that and that's the thing one thing that i'm trying to really improve upon here in the local market of, of nashville is to get our senior officials to come to the rink work with younger officials uh, they were in that position one time as well. You know, they, they probably sure. supervised, they were, they were nervous their first game. Uh, and then just to have a person that a new official can go to and ask questions like, 
if they had a, a crazy situation or maybe they had to make a big call, maybe they had to give somebody a major penalty or a, kick somebody out of a game, you know, how do they handle that mentally? And, you know, were they right mm -hmm. in that decision? Did they make the right call? So one thing that we try to do, and we're going to, we're going to try to do here locally and it, it works around the country is a, a mentor or shadowing program where, where you're on the ice with another official that's not refing. So there yes. might be two, there might be three officials out there, but only two are refing, and maybe the other one is a shadow and they don't even wear a, a referee sweater. They wear just like an all black tracksuit. And so you maybe have two young officials out there and we're talking in their ear about, you know, where to be positionally, how to, how to have mm -hmm. the best uh, sight lines for the game and then talk to them about penalty selections or why they didn't, or ask them why they didn't call a certain penalty and get that development. That doesn't, that hasn't really happened here in Nashville, but it works around the country. So uh, expect to see some of that here locally. Uh, and then just getting uh, supervision as far as off the ice, we'll have an evaluator or a supervisor in the, in the stands and watching a game. And after, after the game, uh, go in a locker room and, and talk about a few situations. And, it does, and we don't try not to like, you know, cover everything that they, they miss. It's, there's going right. to be a lot that they miss. And I think that's, that's a really important thing to remember is that new officials are just like anybody else learning a sport or mm -hmm. a craft or a hobby. They are not perfect from the get go. I've been doing this for a long time. I still make mistakes. I still have calls that I go back and look at, whether it be live barn or the, you know, hockey TV and mm -hmm. get another look. And sometimes I'm, was dead on. And sometimes I, I wish I would have had that call back. And I think that's something for young officials to understand is that you're going to have those mistakes a lot. And they're not maybe mm -hmm. even mistakes. You just didn't see it the way maybe right. the, camera, the camera angle saw it. So, um, so we're looking to do that a lot more evaluation, a lot more support and putting officials in games that maybe before they they would have taken longer to get there uh, mm -hmm. but with the right support we get them in those games and uh, with other senior officials so they can kind of help cover uh, if they need to but uh, get them experience because that's what everybody wants do they want to get to those higher level games it's a little bit more exciting but yes. they also have to put in the time and work to work those low level you know six-year-old eight-year-old games at six o'clock in the morning on saturday um, just so they get that experience and everything else. So hopefully that's the, the move that we're going to go to and gets a really good response and keeps officials. I think retention is yes. a whole other topic. And we can even kind of go into that now is that I think the stats over the last three years is the retention rate is under 50% right now from first year officials Gosh. coming back to, to work a second year. They either have such a bad experience. I mean, mm. mostly it's just a bad experience that they don't want to come back and do it again. And that comes from a couple things is one uh, supervision and, and mentorship. Maybe they don't have that support. So they feel like they're out there on a, on an Island and yes. they don't know where to turn and, and how to handle situations. So that's an easy fix. Mm -hmm. uh, the other one is just schedule and pay, you know, whether they can actually get games based on their schedule. Some hockey players that are still playing travel hockey, their, their schedule is so um, busy that it's hard for them to get games. So for them to get in the, you know, the routine of it. Right. And, they, and then our biggest one, we'll talk about this 
completely is, is parents and coaches and even players abusing officials verbally and even physically. And there's such a crackdown on it now, but it's, it's going to take a while. It's going to take uh, a long time in a couple of years before we get it under control on a mass level. And I don't think we'll ever fix it, but we yeah. just have to, to really work on that. So that's, that, those are the three main things that we don't get officials for the second year. Um, and then even at, if we can get them through two years, I think the retention rate goes up to like 70 or 80%. And then usually after year three or four, it's up in the nineties where, where officials are, are stay, sticking around, but they also have to put up with a lot to get to that fourth year. Mm-hmm. And so it, it depends on that person's uh, kind of mental state and, you know, their, yeah. their demeanor and their, what their goals are as well. So. Coming up, Keith has a message for parents, coaches, and players in hockey. But first, want to let you know this episode is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. You can find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts, they've got you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. To wrap up our conversation, Keith has a really important message for parents, coaches, and players from an official. It's so funny that you talk about uh, just what officials have to go through and tolerate. Uh, I met you at first through sled hockey, and I was at uh, one of the Fordyce centers getting ready for a sled hockey match that was coming up. And there was probably, I'm assuming it was like maybe eight, 10 year old playing hockey and full disclosure, I was so shocked to sit there and hear the parents. It's bad. like, I mean, I'm a parent, I'm a parent and, but okay. I also think my kids do wrong. So I'm probably wouldn't be that parent, but what officials put up with really is astounding. And we touched on that. So if you could talk to and address parents what would you want them to know from an official's perspective? I would, the biggest thing that I tell people all the time, whether it be parents on my own team, I, I coach mm-hmm. uh, a 14 travel, uh, single A travel team here in Nashville. I've also coached sled hockey and still involved in that program. Uh, and then having kids of my own and, and multiple sports. I mean, my, mm-hmm. my son, my son plays soccer, plays baseball. He obviously plays hockey as well. Uh, my girls play soccer and, and softball. And the thing that I hear as a parent in the stands coming out of, you know, parents yelling is, is more of a, a lack of understanding of the game itself uh-huh. and why, why we're here. Why are we, why are we playing this game? Uh, and so what I always strive to tell parents or anybody coach is that one it, it is just a game we're here to develop individuals yes. as young athletes 
and with that comes a lot of life situations mm -hmm. uh a lot of having to deal with conflict having to deal through adversity and not everybody can win a game right so there's always a winner and there's always a loser uh unless you tie obviously but uh kids have to know what it feels like to to not be the best because yes. there's always going to be somebody that's that works harder and is better than them they have to know what it feels like to lose and and they have to know how to handle authority figures so with with parents in the stands most of them don't ever read the rule book or the rules that they think that their kid is playing is at the nhl level because they watch hockey yeah yeah so that's a that's very a huge, true that's a huge thing and it even comes from coaches we have coaches arguing rules in youth hockey that are not a youth hockey rule i mean they're literally they're they're questioning our our decisions and our our calls and their arguments are quoting NHL rules. And so we have to often remind them that this is not the NHL. And we don't say that in a derogatory term, like, hey, this is just youth hockey. No, it's not the NHL because we have a different rule book. Yeah. So oftentimes, you know, depending on my mood, I might even ask somebody <laughs> if if they've even if they even know what the cover of the rule book looks like, let alone read the rule book. I should have brought one in. The rule book went from about, I don't know, probably 10 years ago. Rule book was maybe this thick, had a hundred pages in it, maybe. Yeah. Uh, it is now, it looks like, uh, uh, I don't know, a thesaurus now. It's, it's, about <laughs> a, it's about an inch and a half thick. It has four or 500 pages. I don't even know. And it's, it's impossible for, a, a young referee to read that thing cover to cover before his first game. There's just yes. so much material in there. There's so much in there that it takes time to go through it and, and work all the way through it. So for parents uh, to be arguing rules that they, they have no idea what the rule is. There's rule changes every four years. We just went through a huge rule change last year in youth hockey and we had so many players, parents, and coaches arguing these rules, uh, and they because really they were playing with rules that were two years ago and not the current year. Um, so there's always a there's a hurdle to jump through there. But for for parents, uh, you know, I put this out on my Facebook page a couple months ago or in the last season, is you know that that kid that you're yelling at out there uh, is somebody else's. Uh, son Preach. or daughter, uh, you know, and, and as an adult, I've, I've, I've heard it all. I've, I've heard every cuss word, you know, chirp, you know, argument that there is, I was in the Marine Corps. I've heard it all. I have pretty thick yeah. skin, but for me as a senior official, if I allow a player, a parent or a coach talk to me that way, they're going to think it's okay. And they're going to abuse the young official as well. Or if I hear them abusing a young official, I yeah. have to step up. So there's people in Nashville that coaches, players, and parents alike that know that when I'm on the ice, if their mouth gets away from them, they're going to have to sit. And, or they might have to, if they're a parent or a coach, they might have to hopefully have a prescription uh, subscription to Live Barn because they're going to be watching the, the rest of the game from the car. Yeah. And, and it's, it's one of those things that years ago we used to be told, don't have rabbit ears. Don't be listening to what the parents are doing in the stands or don't let the coach 
you know, bark at you from the bench and, you know, you got to let it go. You got to thick skin. Well, that's, that's over with because of where we are now. Yeah. So, you know, if you see, if you see other parents acting that way, it's really tough as another parent to say something to them, especially if it's on their, on your own team. Mm -hmm. But I think that's, that would be a huge change in the culture is to have those parents that just sit there and watch their kid play and want to enjoy their kid being, you know, out there on the ice. And they don't want to hear the mom or dad next to them yelling and screaming at the ref, at the other players, at the other, you know, coaches, whatever it may be. And so that's, it's just a really big shift that we're having to go through is, is everybody's out there is trying. Uh, I don't know as a, as a scheduler myself now with my own association, if there's an official that doesn't care, then they're not going to work for me. Everybody on that ice cares and are the officials care as, as well. I mean, they care about their job, their responsibilities. They care about the safety of the game, but again, it's not the referee's job to keep anybody safe. And I think that's where parents get a little angry is that mm-hmm. if a kid gets hurt on the ice, they instantly yell at the referee. Well, the referee can only enforce a penalty. He can't stop penalties. Yes. There is, there is game management. So obviously if, if uh, he's not calling or she's not calling the standard that it's supposed to be and there are penalties that are happening that are not being called, it elevates the temperature of the game. And we try to calm that down as officials. But it we can't prevent a player from two-handing another player in the head. With right. The uh, we obviously will call that as a, a match penalty or a game misconduct, whatever it warrants, and that kid will be removed from the, the game. But it's, it's not up to us. It's up to the other players to keep each other safe and to the coaches to have that standard. Um, so there's, there's a lot of aspects to the, the passion of the game. I mean, it's a very passionate game. It's a it very, is. It's a very physical game. So as players, coaches, and parents, we have to remember that, that our kids are completely padded up out there. I mean, at the, at the lowest level, like U6, U8, parents are probably the worst because mm-hmm. they're so protective of their kids they want their kids to stay safe but they have to realize that one they're like gumby out there anyway it's really <laughs> tough it's really tough to get hurt as a, like an eight-year-old with without padding True. Level, with you True. know five hundred dollars worth a year so uh you know they start yelling and screaming they probably have never played the game before mm-hmm. um they they don't necessarily know what the standard is you know for us referees whether it be eight-year-olds or low-level beer league hockey players, nobody can skate, nobody can stop, uh, nobody has any control of their stick. So for referees, we're trying to figure out, is the guy mean to trip the other guy or can he just not stand up himself and he's just trying to make it off the ice because his teammates are yelling at him to get off the ice because he's terrible. You know, so that's that's where we're trying to figure that out as well. And for parents just to be yelling and screaming, uh, it just elevates their kids uh even more so and then they act in the same way yeah so same same thing with coaches if coaches are yelling and screaming all the time the players are going to see that and think that it's acceptable behavior and then Mm -hmm. they're going to imitate that as well i love the idea of parents taking action to change the culture in the stands themselves i love that i think that's important if somebody is interested in going through this process in learning more about it where where should they go so there's there's two different places i direct people one usa hockey's website will have everything you need to 
uh, fill out. And that's where you ultimately need to go. Mm -hmm. uh, but that can be daunting because there's so much on the website, uh, so much to navigate. So I always recommend people go to southeastrefs.org. Uh, okay. It's our Southeast District's uh, officiating page. It has a full list of all your requirements that you need, whether it be gear, uh, what you need to do to sign up, where you need to go. And uh, it's just a really good kind of small space to go find out everything that you're going to need, uh, other events that are coming up. I mean, there's a huge, one, there's a huge demand for officials right now. So mm -hmm. uh, what maybe years ago took an official you know, three, four, five years to get to a certain level. Now we're fast tracking officials that have the ability and the willingness to, and they're working, you know, high level games in a matter of a year or two, uh, just as we get them trained up and they, they soak it all in and everything else. So uh, southeastrefs.org is a great place to start. And whether you're in the Southeast or any other uh, region of the country, it's all the same information that anybody mm -hmm. would need across the country. Uh, but going there will get you uh, what you need to sign up and get registered for a seminar. And that's your, that's your step one is, is uh, getting through that process. All right, Keith Grooms, thank you so much for joining us. This was amazing. Of course, I will have you back anytime you wanna talk officiating or sled hockey, you know I'm here for it. <laughs> I appreciate it. And I hope that this uh, maybe gets somebody thinking about the uh, the money that can be made. That's a big mm -hmm. part of it, too. If it's a great side job, it's a great first job for kids. It's I'd say it's better mm -hmm. than, you know, working retail or, or fast food keeps you on the ice. And uh, it's a lot of fun. And the game needs it without without us. There is no game. So I encourage anybody to check it out. And uh, if they want more information, check out those websites or they can find me on online and uh, be happy to answer them for them. So thanks for having me. I want to thank Keith for joining me again for a really important episode. I think it's great for people to look at the game of hockey from maybe a little bit different perspective. If you have any questions or are interested in more information about officiating, you can reach out to the podcast at LO underscore predators on Twitter. We'd be happy to connect you up with Keith. Of course, you can also find me on Twitter at Ann K underscore mama on ice. And you can find the podcast on YouTube, like subscribe, share, leave us a comment. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. I want to thank you for making locked on predators your first listen of the day. We will be back with another episode soon. Hope you have a great day, everyone.